Is crypto broken? We all dream about onboarding 1 billion users on chain, but can we really achieve that when new users face endless technical barriers? Imagine your non-crypto friend wants to use an on-chain app, but first they have to set up a wallet, manage their seed phrase, securely custody their assets, and purchase a token to pay gas? Not gonna happen, right? We need blockchains which remove the messy tech so non-crypto natives can join the party. Now, this is exactly what today's guest is building. In today's Doer Spotlight, we're joined by the infamous Burnt Banksy, co-founder of Zion. During this frank and honest conversation, we discuss the story of why Burnt Banksy bought an original Banksy for $90,000 and set it on fire. We discuss Zion's novel generalized abstraction at the protocol level, which creates frictionless experience across accounts, signatures, gas, interoperability, pricing, payments, and more. And we also discuss the current state of L1s and L2s and the future that Burnt Banksy sees that we need to achieve in order to reach mass adoption. This is Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. We are here to make sense of an on-chain world in constant transformation. I'm Jay Bird, your host for today's episode, and I believe that crypto is going to change the world. GM, GM, Anthony, GM. slash Burt Banksy, welcome to Web3 Academy. So excited to have you here today. Yeah, it's great to be here, man. I'm glad we could. Uh, I'm glad we can make this work. Definitely. Okay, we gotta start with the burnt Banksy story. Elephant in the room, of course. Yeah, of course. I, I'm sure you might be sick of telling the story because this event happened back in 2021. So we're, yeah. we're re-bringing back an old event, but it's just such a great story, and I'm sure many of our listeners probably haven't heard of it because a lot of our listeners came around only during the end of the last bull run, not yep. the earlier part of the bull run, which is when this event happened. So tell us the burnt Banksy story. Definitely, definitely. Well, so let me, I guess, let me definitely take you back in time, right? This is February of 2021. So people hadn't done his auction yet. The Nyan Cat hadn't done an auction yet. I think the highest price NFT ever sold was $100,000. And like, we were at the point in crypto where you were getting airdropped crypto punks. They were like, it was nothing. Crypto kitties were yeah. cute and they were fun. And it was like, it was small. It was experimental. You never want to call it bad. You always want to say it's experimental, right? Mm. But <laughs> at the moment, me and, you know, me and my buddies were in crypto, obviously. We've been in crypto for a while and we'd been collecting NFTs and I loved crypto kitties, right? And I definitely had a punk or two back in the day. We lost like two and a hack though. And then they would just, I mean, back in the day, they were nothing, right? It was yeah. just, it was like, Seeing a random NFT today, it was, you, no one knew it would get here, right? I love them. I love them. I really did, though, right? And, you know, I always kind of, my family or my Web2 family, right? I always love saying that. But, you know, they would always be, I think we saw very early on this kind of promise of crypto, right? Where, you know, you have this cesspool that is the internet and you have everyone's lives is effectively, you know, it's going to be on the internet, right? There's just no way around it. The thing that we don't have on the internet is any way to really prove ownership because, you know, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a cesspool, right? And what you really get with crypto and that kind of trenches to NFTs is this aspect of digital ownership, right? I can now own digital art and not just like right click and save like many people had kind of, you know, mentioned, right? But the logic of, hey, well, you know, even if you own it, right? Like, 
if I don't see it in my living room, if I can't touch it or, you know, what, what is the value in that, right? Mm-hmm. There's definitely one argument of people are spending so much time chronically online that it, the, you know, like your Twitter profile picture effectively becomes your, your living room, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what everyone sees. But we wanted to take this experiment. We, we said, you know, let's take something that has value, right? We took this Banksy, who's a very famous artist, piece we bought for 90,000 US dollars, and it was entitled Morons. It effectively was making fun of people who were buying art at a Sotheby's auction. It was absolutely the perfect piece, totally, totally chosen for a very specific reason. It was called Morons. We lit it on fire, got it professionally photographed by Vice. Uh, live stream the burning and sold it as an NFT for at the time $400,000, which I think Ethereum was maybe $800 at the time. And it worked, right? And, and I think the, you know, the thesis of will this hold value, right? Like, all right, let's see it. Let something in value physical, mm-hmm. we bring it over to digital and we destroy the original. What happens, right? What does that look like? And, you know, it was, I'm still telling the story today, right? And I, and I think very shortly after it, it was, I mean, we were picked up everywhere, right? Whether mm-hmm. Forbes, CNN, CBS, like every single news outlet from Shanghai to Singapore to San Francisco, you know. And then after that came the Beeple. After that came the Nyan Catch, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of really early NFTs. If you look at the Wikipedia page for NFTs, we're cited on it, right? And so we were very, very early on in this kind of revolution. And a lot of it was just, you know, number one, I like pissing people off. You're gonna get this a lot from me, but. Yeah, I think the best way to prove points is by something spectacular. And we knew it to be true. And we still, of course, are in the crypto space, right? So you bought the piece for Mm $90,000. Then you photographed yourself burning the piece, turned that photograph into an NFT. Well, we actually, we photographed the actual piece. Like we got it. Photograph the actual piece. So someone bought the digital version of the actual piece. Okay. So it was a digital version of the actual piece that they yes. bought. Right. Okay. So it wasn't a photo of you burning. Was, it there bought. was, you know, there was a, a side kind of NFT collection that was out of like 420, which was like the memory pieces, which that was a very inexpensive, like memorial kind of thing of like the event. Right. But the main right. one so, that sold for 400,000 was professionally photographed by Vice. I see. Okay. So essentially somebody purchased this for much more, more than about four times more than the original price that you bought it for Yep. because it had now been burnt. And so there's this belief that it now has greater value. We transferred it digitally. Yeah, exactly. Right. Plus there was, you know, I mean, we had a lot of conversations at the time, which was, I got a lot of calls. Hey, I have this version of Banksy. You want to burn it? It's like, that's not the point, right? And then no. we saw, and something that did, did bother me afterwards for quite some time was just people were just lighting shit on fire, like really expensive artworks on fire, and they were falling flat on their face. And I, and I think like a big part of it was just, it was never about the fire. It was mm-hmm. never about anything else, but like proving the point, right? And getting the conversation started of like, I can't tell you, I, I was anonymous for, I mean, I'm, I technically am still anonymous, right? But it's anonymous for, genuinely, genuinely anonymous for two years because mm-hmm. of how much hate I got. Right. Of just especially in the beginning, it was very scary. Uh, I mean, you look at the comment section. It's not there's not a lot of nice ones. Let's just say that. <laughs> and I, I've got to just go back because watching the live stream, I remember oh, no. <laughs> that it didn't go quite as planned. Yeah. Turns out burning a piece of art is not as easy. Dude, as it here's looks. the logic. I'm like, it's fucking paper. You obviously kind of thought about lighter fuel, but it was like. I don't know. There was a part of me that was, I say like, I didn't want to disrespect the piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't really want to change the piece mm-hmm. itself. 
right? And so I didn't want to like douse it in lighter fluid, mm-hmm. right? And it just go whoosh and, and right up in flames. But it was, I mean, it was paper, right? So my vision for it was I would light one end, mm-hmm. they would slowly start burning like paper. And then you come to think like 10 minutes into lighting this thing, it's like, oh shit, these things weren't meant to be flammable. That makes a lot of sense. And like, <laughs> I probably should have gotten a bigger fucking lighter. I remember we like, we had a big lighter. The reason, I don't think I've ever said this part, but like, we're in New York, right? And we lit it out in, in Brooklyn. And we're in Manhattan right now. We left the letter at the office. And I was like, fuck. And we just pulled over to a local bodega and just got like three. I'm like, just give me the biggest looking lighters. And like two of them were dead. One well, of them actually died. If you look at the video, one of them died while I was lighting it. I'm just like, holy <laughs> fuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. There is such a euphoric moment when I light one end on fire. And then I go to the other end. And then I start going into the middle. And it like it finally starts going and there's just like this wave that washes over me of like, Oh my God, thank God. I I can't believe this is happening. I I applaud myself of how remarkably calm I stayed during that, but I was panicking on the inside. (laughs) Just like, fuck, this is $90,000 right here. I can't even burn $90,000. Like how incompetent do you have to be to not be able to do this? You know, and it was scary. It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. And no one, I mean, and we can go to this after, but we didn't think that it would sell for what it did at all. Like we didn't think we were making our money back. We thought we were taking a pretty heavy loss. If you like, I don't know if you can see it, but if you can look, there was a min set, which was $50,000. And that's all we thought we were fucking getting. I, I wanted to have fun. Like, quite frankly, I didn't do this to make money. Still haven't sold the ETH from it, right? And so it's just, it was fun. We got the point across and I did it with people that I loved, right? And mm-hmm. we definitely got the conversation started, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you make this big spectacle. Yep. You now become a well-known anon in the space. You adopt the handle Burnt Banksy. You get a lot of attention, both negative and positive, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is the the name of the game when you're in the spotlight. Yep. What did you do next? I think I know you transitioned into building an NFT marketplace that became mm-hmm. your focus. And for everybody listening to this show, this is going to be a story podcast. There's, Anthony's been around in the space for a while. So <laughs> we're going to get to his current project, Zion, yeah. eventually, but... I think there's a lot of lessons that you learned along the way that are really relevant for builders yeah. in the space and for everybody to understand <laughs> because you've tried a lot of different things uh, yeah. and it's gotten you to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I think the story ladders up to itself in a way. It's not like we were like, you know what? Let's pivot to AI, right? Like <laughs> I, I always think that, that our message was always kind of the same. And I don't think I've really ever strayed away from my vision, I guess. Right. Which was, I love crypto. Say what you want. Like, and I think there's a lot of negatives to it, right? I think it's an inefficient, slow way of doing a lot of things that if you're a solution looking for a problem, that's why you're going to fail, right? And it's, I don't think it's a solution looking for a problem. I think there's a lot of things that are solved by it, right? And, and I think, you know, democratizing ownership, I'm going to talk about that, right? Like there's currencies, there's different sects of crypto, right? You can get currencies, you can get this. Mm-hmm. We have a specific sect, which is democratizing ownership. I always love giving the example of like a co-op building, which being in New York seems like I'm the only one who ever understands that whenever I say it. But a co-op building, for those who kind of aren't really familiar with the concept, is, you know, let's say you have a 10-unit building. Each one of those, you know, people who own the unit is part of a board that kind of votes, right? And that vote is like, if you want to buy a unit in the building, the board needs to approve, right? The board is running all of this stuff. The board is running Mm -hmm. the decisions. And for a couple of reasons, right? Like, 
for some people, they don't want loud neighbors. Some people, they mm -hmm. do want party neighbors, right? And it's about building this kind of community in this apartment complex that works for the people and is by the people. And like people have property value, right? And so there's that ownership and it's like, well, if this place goes to shit, I, I lose my money. Mm -hmm. So now let's like, we have physical infrastructure there, which is apartments, right? And, and mm -hmm. you're bound by the limitations that are your unit. But now let's bring that on to where everyone's going to be, which is the internet. And which I, I will say is a cesspool a lot. And, and I think you look at like early complaints of the internet and it's always, it's like, there's too much information. No one's going to know what's right or wrong, especially like this kind of fake news era, right? You know, and so then you get, let's bring this idea of ownership to a digital world and let's bring this concept of aligning incentives and mm -hmm. having a people who have the most stake and the most gain gain from the decisions and be a part of the decisions like a like mm -hmm. a commune or a co-op and i think a lot of that was kind of like late stage vision of WeWork as well if you want to kind mm -hmm. of like look into that which was like very chabad-esque powerful as a group kind of messaging and without ownership right without this baseline of well, who owns what and being able to universally recognize that it's useless so with that out of the way, I've been in crypto, you know, I mean, we started probably 2015, 2016, right? And it was annoying as hell to mint the burnt Banksy. And and I'm a very technical person, right? And it was terrible. It, and the the experience was terrible. People would throw in bids and then cancel them because the block times were too long. And then things above it would get canceled. It was a miserable experience doing the burnt Banksy that caused me a lot of stress. And I was very technical. And it was this concept of like, what the fuck, right? Like we want, we're saying that we want to find the next Picasso in Africa because we can be borderless and we can have this kind of discoverability. But this is bullshit. Like the barriers to entry are so freaking high and they're so technical. And I think I have this quote that I say, which is like, how in the world are we supposed to like decentralize ownership when only the highly technical have access? Mm -hmm. And I said that actually about what we're building now, right? So things haven't changed. And we'll get to that, right? <laughs> We wanted to kind of fulfill this message of anyone can do, can be an artist, right? Anyone can be an artist. The dream, you don't have to be someone to be someone. You can make work, like make a living, live off of, and, and do what you love, right? That was mm -hmm. the early message is live and do what you love. Unfortunately, you know, only a highly technical got access, right? And it was very expensive. I mean, it's still expensive in gas fees. So we had built some of the early standards in Solana, the NFT standards, collection standards on Solana, built a decentralized NFT marketplace on Solana. And we can kind of talk about that, but it's very much a head slamming story of just like, okay, well, we have Afrojack who's a famous DJ who wants to do an NFT collection mm -hmm. or this guy. And it's like, oh, okay, well now the process takes five days to onboard because you need to get him a phantom wallet. You need to go to Coinbase. You need to do this. He needs to know, like we need to handhold everyone. This is frankly impossible for people to do by themselves and you got to transfer you got a kyc you can only send five like it was miserable and i think a lot of it is just the way blockchain's old right like mm -hmm. the way that decisions were made early on really weren't thought of you know i don't think anyone really thought we'd be at this level but right especially this quickly mm -hmm. right and so a lot of these decisions it's very evident like why and then we can get into this and I, and I will revert to not being extremely technical, but mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. The concept of like a wallet, the reason that exists is because of public private key, you know, encryption, right? You need to store your private key somewhere. You can't store it on a browser because it's so unsafe, mm -hmm. right? So you get a Chrome extension that effectively stores it for you. But it's such a hassle. Like it's still a hassle. Like 
And that's why mobile is terrible because you can't yeah. really do that on mobile. That's why you go cross device. It's still terrible. That's why the exchanges and wallets activate as different things. And it's hard to have an exchange in a wallet, which started coming out later. Don't even get me started on bridging. And then you, you start seeing a lot of decisions made around these legacy decisions, right? <clears throat> you know, I'll just kind of quickly go to Zion for a second of just like one of the, one of the ways we kind of tackle this, which is like, well, why? Like, we don't need private public key encryption because everything is a smart contract. Everything's run mm -hmm. via a smart contract, not via you signing something directly, right? And this is lessons that we could learn after 10 years of an industry. But for us kind of personally, it's three years of just head slamming. Just using it. Of using it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, there's so many times in a lot of what we did, which is just like, why the fuck are we doing this? You look, right? And it's because he did it. And then the reason they did it is because they did it. And then that guy doesn't work in, in crypto anymore. Right? And it's like... <laughs> there's a few different threads to pull on here. One is time. Yeah. We're not talking about a lot of time here, right? Like. No. That's three years ago that you're saying the most expensive NFT was yeah. $100,000. Yeah. People, $69 million NFT hadn't even sold yet. That's only three years ago. It was impossible to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. No one even knew what NFTs were. Like, that's not a long time. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Then the, other, the other thing is you can look at it and you can say, Back then, we were building for the technical because it was yes. the technical that we're building. Correct. And you build for yourself and your own use case. You don't build for, you know, somebody who's different than you who yep. want, you know, at, like you don't build Why for would you? Jack because you're not after Why would Jack, you? Right? Yeah. And I think you see this with innovation, right? Where there's this chasm that people need to jump, which is mm -hmm. now we're making decisions. Now we're making scaling decisions based off of the people that we're building for mm -hmm. who already know everything that is counterintuitive if we want to get other 99 percent of the population on board we should not expect them to go through the shit that we've done i've lost many thousands of dollars in a rug pull many rug pulls mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and you you haven't worked in crypto unless you've gotten rug pulled yeah. it's just it's a name of the game but why the fuck is that the name of the game exactly <laughs> well that will not bring a billion people. No. If everybody gets rug pulled, like, dude, that I, won't work. <laughs> I was talking to my grandma the other day and she was like, oh, you do that crypto stuff. So it's like, I want to stop sending checks to pay my bills. And I'm like, holy fuck. Whoa. Like, that's where we are? Like, that's yeah. what's going on? Like, this is the jump you're making? <laughs> right? And, and, you know, of course, it's going to be time and it's, you know, not everyone's still on Facebook, right? But as it kind of relates to that, we, we got to make that next jump. Right. And you're starting to see the market come back. And I think it's funny when we spoke, the market was not at all where it is now. Mm -hmm. It's just hilarious how much things can change. Yeah. Cause when but, we first spoke, that was November. So November. Yeah. Two, two months ago. Like, and how much shit changes? Sentiment's different, right? Because mm -hmm. in the bear market, it's very egos are shattered. Egos are shattered and hope is lost. Right. And it's, oh my God, we're never going to go out to the real world. And then someone says fucking Bitcoin ETF. And you're just like, we got to build for the next billion users. They're right here. And it's like, okay, well, we got to pick a lane, but we can't continue this direction of like building for ourselves and then expecting yeah. everyone to mimic us. Yeah, totally. Okay. So you built an NFT marketplace on Solana yep. in 2021 after you burnt the Banksy. You did decently well. Yeah, it was like 30,000 monthly actives. Pretty, yeah, we did like, I think it was like five of the top NFT projects in Solana. Yeah. So that it's, it's not like that went poorly. Yeah. Why did you decide to pivot and to shut that down and go a different direction? And I also just got to ask, like, is part of it because Solana wasn't there yet as an ecosystem 
Whereas it's sort of, it's ironic. You might've just been too early on Solana. I was definitely too early on Solana. Hilariously, I was definitely yeah. too early on Solana. I have this sign right here that hangs above. I have a little column right here in my office. Okay. And I remember the first time, first time we crashed Solana, my coworker bought me a bottle of champagne and, and a little note that says, congrats on crashing Solana with a little smiley face on it. So I have it hanging up right here. Because you guys, your NFT marketplace was- It was like one of the things that we did that, I mean, dude, this is 2021. It was very, I got to say, all love to Solana. They have the best developer community Mm -hmm. I have taken. I've learned so much from the people there. They are absolutely incredible. And I don't think it was really anything to do with Solana, quite frankly. I think it had to do with this concept of a generalized ecosystem. Right, that mm-hmm. really screwed me over. Screwed me over is the wrong word, sorry. You know, which was when we're in an NFT marketplace and Solana is optimizing for speed and they're optimizing for cost. And mm-hmm. most of Solana at that point was DeFi, right? Mm-hmm. Most of crypto is still DeFi. I actually tried to look yesterday to try to find non-DeFi applications. Look, tell me how hard it is. You won't There's find a lot. There's like three, three. <laughs> Like <laughs> genuinely three. I think I could name you more than three, but I, I get the point. There's not that many. It's in the interest of these generalized chains to cater towards the DeFi crowd, yeah. right? Which is, you know, especially with Solana, it was smaller transactions. It was quicker transactions. It was cheaper transactions. No, Solana's main thing. But like for us to do a, list an NFT in a decentralized fashion, it was 14 transactions. And if Solana went down on any block there, we would lose the NFT forever. Which was like, yeah, it was not great. It was not great. There was like some cases we could get it back, but it's not a good user experience, right? Or you could do it a centralized route, which went against my ethos, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. I'm like, Natural Magic Eden did, and I love them. I love those guys. Absolutely no hate to them. I think marketplaces are great, but it was like, we wanted to query chain everything. We didn't even want to have a single database, right? Mm-hmm. And that became increasingly more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And also, we were competing with the, the generalized layer. And I think for us, yeah, the whole team's engineers, right? And we're a bunch of nerds. And, you know, I think a lot of design decisions were needed to be made. And I think we actually started Zion as a consumer chain, right? And I, and I think this was like June of 2022. We started Zion deep bear market. We were like running some NFTs and stuff like that, but it wasn't great, right? Like, I mean... The whole market sentiment wasn't great, right? And so that's where this idea started, which is like, no one's going to trust crypto. No one's going through this onboarding process anymore. We need to understand that we need to go to the users. We need to mimic a Web2 experience. We need to build, and I call it consumer applications because I also don't think, I think there's too much innovation in DeFi in proportion to how much innovation is in the rest of the industry, I should say. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, I can name you 15 centralized exchanges, 15 decentralized exchanges, 15 NFT marketplaces on every chain, right? Yeah. But... I can't name you, like I can name you sound, sound.xyz, I can name you Fentech, I can name you Podcaster, uh, uh, Lens, Steppen. Like, Lens, yeah, there's not a lot. <laughs> there's not a lot, right? And no. it's a shame. And from someone who tried to do that, it's really fucking hard mm-hmm. because you have to put so much energy, so much time into effectively going backwards on a lot of these decisions that were made, which you know, benefited DeFi, which benefited a generalized environment. And they think like, mm-hmm. not to get like too specific, but I do think it's using a generalized environment is like using Heroku, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of like the Web2 world where you're sharing resources and it's great. I think my future vision for that is it's amazing for testing. I see that all the time. I do think that there's going to be so much on the testing environment, but I do think everything is going to end up being, you know, specific, right? Whether that be consumer applications, 
app chain thesis, if you want to call it, you know, et cetera. And so we started off as this consumer blockchain, but the issue with being a new blockchain is that there are a million other layer one blockchains out there, yeah. right? And all of them are so competitive with each other, right? Because you have a bunch of islands and that's, you can make a bridge to an island, but it's still a bridge. If you're one place, you're not another place. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a fundamental, I don't want to say hatred I had, but a, a fundamental misunderstanding, which is just like the new L1s would just pop up, go down and the liquidity, it was just this like train, right? It was, you would go here, 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 here. And, and yeah. you could see the movement going of hype and falling. And it was the same people. Like It's yeah. the same people. A, we need to we need to avoid that at all costs. And then B, it was let's not even avoid that. Let's we can do both of these things, which is saying, hey, you know, and we, we talk we're gonna talk about this term generalized abstraction a lot, which is a very umbrella term, right? Mm-hmm. And what it really means is that like as a user, I want to abstract everything. People know account abstraction, right? Yeah. But when we talk about like abstracted interoperability, it's this concept where we sit above every chain. And can effectively, in, in, a, in a, a good imagination, is like a hive mind, right? Where mm-hmm. accounts on Zion exist on every chain, which mm-hmm. means that I can mimic, mimic transactions on every chain, which means that we no longer have 10 users on Solano, 10 users on Zion, 10 users on AVAX. We now have 30 users using blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for us, that's a very important part of our goal is to just be this ground for products to thrive. It doesn't matter the chain. We could talk about how we do this. I don't think we will because it's very complicated, but happy for anyone to read the white paper. But, you know, to be able to facilitate this kind of like, I mean, symbiotic, whatever you want to call it, symbiotic, collaborative L1 that has this kind of abstraction on a protocol level mm-hmm. is really where we are, right? And, and we could talk about that. And that's the the how we're doing it, right? What we're doing is we're creating an environment for products to be able to reach users without a 95% fall off rate. And to truly, like, I think it's funny, you look at like some of my early PowerPoints of like, when I'm talking internal to the team, right? It's like step one, <laughs> fix crypto, right? Like, let's just make a palatable environment, right? It's It takes that one quote that I said, right? And it's it splits it up into two, which is, Step one is to provide access to all. Step two is to redefine ownership. And mm-hmm. you can't redefine ownership when not everyone has access. Yeah, he s- said that so well. Okay, so I want to make sure all our listeners, we jumped right into Zion. So Sorry. That's okay. It's great. I love the way your mind works. So you started Zion June 2022. Zion is an L1 that you built with your team, really with a focus on usability to the masses. Yeah. You weren't going after the DeFi applications. You saw early on 2022, middle of the bear market. At that point, there was only a few L1s that have had achieved true adoption and true network effects. There was a lot more talk around the start of the L2 thesis and that the L2s would be the direction that we would go in. But you really saw that if we were going to bring everybody on chain, we needed to abstract a lot of the complexities so that it could be very simple. I mean, the the best example of this, the same thing happened in Web 2 when you think about e-commerce. In the beginning, nobody was really capable of starting their own online store. It wasn't until we had tools like Shopify, Shopify that abstracted away 
all the challenges of setting up credit card payment and setting up inventory management and managing shipping and all these things that were just too difficult. It's a headache. Most, you know, it was a headache. Exactly. So e-commerce didn't take off until we had Shopify and we yep. had Amazon and we had these tools. So it's the same thing to think about in Web3. Totally. These chains won't take off until we have a much easier way to use the chain. So I don't want to get into the how, because as you said, that's too technical for me. <laughs> you know, like we don't need to go into that technical side. I think what we should talk about is what are the use cases this, this is going to enable? And also maybe why? Let's start with why. Like, why did you decide to build an L1 versus build an L2? You know, I didn't even want to. And it's funny, like most of the decisions that we made, we didn't even want to build an L1. L1, L2, it's just marketing jargon, I'll be honest, at least in my okay. opinion. Like you could use optimism. You're using the optimism token. Does it yeah. matter to you that it settles on ETH? No, right? Probably not. And maybe you could bridge easier, right? Maybe some of the things are more compatible. But at the end of the day, I'm, I don't want to say bearish, but it's like I'm skeptical of the fragmentation that a lot of L2 causes, right? Like Polygon was originally like, polygon l2 or is it an l1 or is it yeah you know? that's so, a tough one that yeah we could argue that and it's hard because I, I remember right like i remember when we first had our conversation the first time it was like the the concept of a blockchain the concept of a layer one has been marketed a lot and there's kind of ideas of what it should be it should be generalized it should have well you know etc it's hard to use the marketing language to describe what we are what i would say is an l1 because maybe we're probably 70% closest to that description and like 40% closest to an L2, right? Could we settle to Ethereum? Yes, it's not very difficult. Do we want to? No, I don't really care. We talked briefly about this, but I think there's, to me, there's three key things that stand out that we need to fix about the chains that we currently use. Gas fees are a problem and we've seen certain chains immutable is the best example i have that's a chain that built that completely abstracted gas fees yep. so that it would be a better experience for users yep. so you can play games because that's immutable basically yeah. a gaming chain and not have to pay gas fees awesome well done immutable clearly showed that's one thing that was a problem yeah private keys you mentioned that yourself we had the founder of web3 auth which is a wallet abstraction yeah, yeah. company Zen? on our podcast yeah you know them of course and he talked about the difference of conversion when you eliminated private keys and you're talking massive difference. I can't remember the exact stat, but I think it was like 20 to 40% difference in conversion rate when you eliminated private keys because most people don't want to set up a private key or don't yeah. know how, right? It's too much. And then they, they bounce, they're out, right? And then the third thing is this, you often have a product token and a gas token. Yes. And when you have two tokens, things get, now you're like, well, I, have two I don't things? have the like, right token. The so now I have to bridge. And then yeah. once you involve bridging, like good fucking it's, luck. Yeah, like, you're, it's done. You're out, right? Yeah. Are those the three main issues that you see? They all stem from the same symptoms, right? You mentioned the two product, or like the product and, and gas fee, or the platform token, right? Yeah. That is a gas issue, right? And... The gas issue is also a gas issue, right? It's hard for us, right? Because I think it's easier to look at a Web2 company and say, we want to do that, rather than look at a Web3 company and say, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. We know the flows that work. I don't want to build like a regular consumer application because it's such a saturated market. But we have so much learning from that market mm -hmm. where that people are so used to that we know like 
I will know that you probably don't want to sign into something with your social security number. Maybe your phone number would be better. And there's things that that I could tell you, right? But we could sit here all day and be like, this is what's bad with crypto. This is what's bad with crypto. This is what's bad with crypto. But I'd rather, rather than saying that, I'd rather point to, hey, why isn't eBay? Why doesn't an NFT marketplace work like eBay? Right? Mm-hmm. Why can't I use my credit card? Right? Why do I have to buy this random token that I don't know the name of it? And then it's like, oh, it went to zero. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it went to zero? Is, <laughs> what? What do you mean it's gone? There's a lot there, right? So in instead of just taking that that approach of like, this is what we saw, this like this is what we're building. And the easiest way to think about that is is Web two, right? And I, I think it's funny that if you talk to different people, I was on a podcast yesterday about this, right? And we got into a little bit of an argument. And the guy was like, so happy. He was like, you know, we're mirroring the adoption curves of the internet. Right. Did you know how fucking hard it was to get on the internet? Everyone's already on the internet. You know how yeah. easy it should be to onboard to crypto? For yeah. us, it's your email. We send you an email. That's your onboarding experience. The fact that we're mimicking the internet is terrible. You needed yeah. a fucking computer. There was an investment there. Yeah. I have to, like, inputting what should be an email or a phone number or Twitter or Facebook. Or even with us, like, Face ID, right? And there's ways to think about this, which is just, like, we're doing so great. Right. And I think, as you said it before, it's like this concept of time, right, which maybe I'm hard on myself where I'm like, I want to be here now. You know, that kind of comes with being building in the space of just like, especially a space that I talk to a lot of my like Web2 friends and you net do the innovation in this space because of how quickly something can fail, go to zero. Mm-hmm. The innovation is is it's scary in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that a lot of people, it'll kill you. Like I always say, any new person who joins our company to not get caught up in all this because it will kill you if you let it. For sure. The pressure is immense. enormous. Immense. Not to mention that I, I always love to say that if you are in this space, working in this space, you actually have three jobs. You are an investor mm-hmm. because you can't be in crypto and not be investing. Mm-hmm. And you've, as you said, that investing is, you've probably gotten rugged. It's scary. You've definitely gotten rugged. Is yeah. great, but it's also very, very intimidating. You also have your job, so you're working in the space. And you also have a full-time job to try to keep up with everything that's happening so you don't fall behind. So you got to be like a news analyst mm-hmm. too. It's a lot of pressure for sure. Yeah. yeah, I've had to stay off Twitter just because of how addicting it gets of like, right. you know, even managing your crypto Twitter, like being the personality, being... You know this out of the other and i think as burnt banksy i did that before but i took a year off of silence like pretty much a year off of twitter and it was the best thing that ever happened so interesting okay we won't go we won't go down the path of managing mental health although that is a great conversation yeah. and one that's very important in our so space. important so, especially so with important. the cycles like especially Ex- with the the highs are high but the lows are fucking low exactly yeah you can't have the highs without the lows yep. and we're going into a lot of highs right now which creates a lot of hype and yep. a lot of fomo anyways okay let's go back to where are you at right now with Zion? Uh, and you know, give us your roadmap. Three yeah. months, six months, what's to come? We just finished our first testnet. We had about 450,000 wallets, about I think it was 4 million transactions. And we just closed that down. We released a white paper on December, which kind of entails what we were talking about, about generalized abstraction, which we then started upgrading and getting the audits finalized for this next testnet that'll be coming up. And after this testnet is done, this is kind of everything that's included with generalized abstraction. 
we have a hackathon. Yeah, okay. No, this podcast won't be out by Monday. But uh, we're announcing a hackathon next week. This podcast goes out next Tuesday. Great. So, so maybe it's that day. Maybe, okay. maybe we can time it there. Yeah, I'm just making sure. I'm like, ah, oh, my team's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> I think our main goal now is, hey, we built the infrastructure. Now let's, number one, let's get projects to build. But it's like, I want to get back to building products. That's why I did this, right? Like, so that right. I could build the products that I want to do and, and frankly, have fun, right? Like, yeah. you'll, you're, you're going to see this in kind of like Q1, Q2 of just like, I want to do the next Burn Banksy, right? Like, and there's going to be some planning for it. And yeah, it's going to operate with Zion, right? When you look at like this narrative of three years ago, what we expected with what we got, it was, you know, did I think it would be derivative of a monk, like a JPEG of a monkey? No, like I didn't. But you involve money in this stuff, right? And there's real money. You're going to get grifters. You're going to get scammers. You're going to get rug pullers. And it's nice to have the kind of shakedowns every once in a while. I'm optimistic and maybe overly optimistic. I think I'm just a positive guy. So I keep waiting for what will be the point when we get a whole bunch of people, millions of people that come into crypto that are not for the value abstraction they're not here to make the gamble we haven't crossed that chasm yet right so it's it's so you know what i I had that argument with my team a lot though right which is let's try to take this value concept out of crypto yeah and it's really hard because it's ownership right it's ownership you really can't i think it's a conclusion that i came to because i was originally in that boat of like i don't want people to care about the money i don't want this but like Back to the co-op, it's going to be in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. You buy a board ape, you're shilling it. You look at like Eminem or whatever, they're shilling it. They want to make more money. They're having fun. They like mm-hmm. the community, but you can't, you really can't ignore it, right? Like, cause it mm-hmm. is right here. Are there more? Yeah, of course, right? Like I want to live in my building, right? Like I want, when I'm talking yep. about a co-op, I want to live in a good environment and yeah, I make money along the way, right? Which is great. But so it's funny that you say that because I definitely, I wanted to avoid that with any bone in my body, right? Because mm-hmm. especially like as we kind of hit the crypto low, it was like, do we got to stop gambling? We can have a conversation about gambling, right? Which I'm like, that's a lot of crypto. That's, a, the, the, you know, for sure. you look at life and life is gambling. You look at the yep. literal fi- like financial industry as a whole, it's gambling. Even sports, like a lot of the reasons they exist is for gambling. When it's hard, it's like there's thing, there's aspects of all of this that are very hard to take apart. Right. I do think that to answer your question of like when we get the millions of users, it's when there's a reason. There's not going to be an NFT marketplace or like an AMM that everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. If retail runs crypto, they're going to go to Coinbase. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to go to Uniswap. Right. Why would they do that? They're not going to go to Aave. Right. People Mm -hmm. aren't even buying bonds. Why are they going to stake this random token for some random apy they don't know what apy means right Mm -hmm. it it doesn't make sense but you give them something like a facebook which gives them a reason you know i think when we look at zion and we look at everything like denominated in us dollars and being able to use your credit card and not really mentioning the zion token we want it to take this back seat like the internet so that something like a facebook can imagine right Mm -hmm. something like a google can kind of come to the forefront and Mm -hmm. offer a product that people want and i think Mm -hmm. we had an interesting inflection point of the industry where we're the infrastructure is not there and we're trying to build products on this shitty infrastructure yeah 
And, and it's really hard for both infrastructure and products, right? Because the products aren't good enough for the infrastructure, but the infrastructure is not good for the product. So it's like, as a founder, especially me building, like when I was building the marketplace, it was, I'm going to build a shitty marketplace because this shit doesn't work. Or I'm going to build an infrastructure that doesn't have a product. Right, like it's <laughs> and it's hard, right? It's what well, I hope. You do. I hope your investors give you some runway because holy shit, if they expect this stuff tomorrow, that would be so much pressure. Well, we get, right? But like, you're not. Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Like, yeah, it's an industry, right? And the industry is growing. The industry is growing so rapidly, and you're getting good examples, right? Like, Fentech came out, and Fentech was miserable. Our main designer, who's a fucking genius, mm-hmm. right? She's right next to me um, <laughs> so you keep but i would call her a genius if she wasn't right next to me we were trying to do this design and, and we can kind of talk about the design of like how a user can operate fentech through us so it took 30 minutes and three people and that is the best example uh, of our industry pretty much of, like when fentech first came out because it didn't take me 30 minutes when i were you at the bridge out. didn't you yeah 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 did you did accidentally have... bridge to the network address not you the... had to bridge the network yeah yeah, yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> and yeah, maybe you're, yeah. I guess you know what's funny is it just you know it. it seemed so easy I because know. it was easier than what previously existed. Exactly. What Zion is building is completely different. That can you give us an example? Yeah. So I will do the example that I was making the kind of the demo of, right? Which was I won't go into the how too much, right? Yeah. But I can if you want. No, it's try to stay out of the how. I'll try to stay out, but it, but it, I want to treat products like products, right? So the design that we were making was someone uses Fentech. Oh, great. They made some money. And now they want to use Steppen on Solana, right? So they just go to Steppen. They're logging with their email and they're able to just operate the application and press the buy button, buy the shoes and start start walking, whatever, right? And you're like, well, that's on Solana. One's on Frentech. How are you doing all these swaps? Base. Paying with credit cards. Frentech on base. Base, 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 sorry. Base in Solana. How are you, you know, and we handle everything in the back end, right? And I'm like, the gas fees, the Solana, the base, the bridging, the purchasing, right? It's funny, I was over the weekend, I was like making, doing like an illustration of myself. And a lot of this, like, you know, the, the iceberg meme, which is just like the little yeah. bit that's over the water and then just like the mega thing below. Mm-hmm. That's what Zion is. You shouldn't be exposed to the giant iceberg when you don't care, right? Like, oh, which wallet do I do? Which links do I click on, right? And so it's hard to give an example because it's just, hey, I want to use two applications like that's the example that are on different chains and it's the same money you don't have to like bridge you don't have to add more money you can use the money that you have and keep this like kind of concept of similar how you can use your metamask address on every application on eth think about that but for any product anywhere Hmm. right And, and i think when you see a little now some of these modern attempts is yeah the onboarding is very smooth but try doing anything else you bring to Fentech this to anything else. It's like a Blackbird, right? Yeah. That doesn't exist. These are siloed applications, right? And mm-hmm. now we're losing this ethos of crypto, which is everything is composable, everything works together, and it's super, super siloed, right? And fragmented. Maybe we do need to get a little bit technical here yes. to really understand this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, no. <laughs> so because... I'm trying to understand where this goes. Does this get more into this thesis that we're going to have specialized layers that have a specific role? So more like Celestia is focused on data availability. Is it more that type of thesis that you're 
targeting with Zion or because when you talk about this example of from using the Frentech app, which is on base to mm-hmm. going using the Stepin app, which is on Solana, like how does that happen? How does Zion participate in that? Yeah, I think we're very like, I mean, I have my personal thesis right? and we can go into this where I think like, I think Ethereum will end up being Cosmos hilariously and Cosmos is kind of this end game of crypto, which is, hey, let's have this really sluggish, like the shell, this cockroach, if you would, of like a like cockroach, not in a bad way, but in like it'll survive a nuclear winter, right? It'll always be there. It'll always be stable, right? right? Where everything kind of derives security from and consensus from. Yeah. And then we build like layers on top of that, right? Yes. And you're starting to see this a little bit with Ethereum, where Ethereum started off as that like central cockroach, right? And I think Anatoly called it this. This isn't. And then you start building rollups, right? And then you get, oh, here's a rollup for gaming, right? Yeah. Oh, here's a rollup. Here's Zora Marketplace as a rollup, right? And you're slowly starting to see it's like, oh, these both, you know, they both started on like the the same end of the coin. And like they're both just kind of reverting to each other. Mm-hmm. So if just kind of thinking about it in that aspect. But it's no matter if I believe the generalized thesis or the, you know, we still work with rollups, right? Like as, as I mentioned, it's base, right? That's an optimism fork. It doesn't matter if we're right or wrong there. I think it's pretty good, right? Which is we'll work in a completely generalized environment. We'll work in a completely specialized environment. And both of those will interact in a very similar way, if not the exact same way. Personally, I do believe that the world will be going to specialized rollups or app chains, right? Or rollups on app chains, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think the, the main important part there is for what we're building, it doesn't matter. We're, we're pretty like future-proofed in that example. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that we keep talking a lot about is we're certainly going to see more and more applications, the app chain thesis that want to build ecosystems. Yep. The best example of this recently was Flipkart, which is basically Amazon in India, $38 billion company. I think Walmart is their largest investor. And they just launched an L2 using Polygon CDK. And we talked, why did they launch an L2? Well, why not just use an existing L2 versus launch their own? Well, they launched their own because they want control over the yeah. features in their ecosystem. They want to control gas. They want to control the way you set up a wallet. They want to control the token that you use for mm-hmm. purchasing. They want to control the sign-up process, email versus you know building a wallet, account abstraction, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that as these large entities come on chain that aren't Definitely. just building one app, they're building a full ecosystem. Is, is that connect to where you see the future? Yeah. I mean, I think especially if you look at like, maybe if you look at big companies, they want to dip their toes in. They don't want to yeah. dive right in and make, you know, Starbucks isn't making an AMM anytime soon, right? And like a decentralized marketplace. They barely did anything with Polygon, right? No shots there, obviously, but it's like the loyalty pro, whatever. I would just... It, Hard to not make shots. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's not. It's it's not appropriate. But it, it, I guess it's just more indicative of the industry as a whole, right? Yeah. Which is Starbucks isn't going to come into a generalized layer one and play with us. Like that's no, the best it's way too to much say. Risk. It. Way too much. Why would risk. they? Yeah. Can't make exactly. so much money. What the fuck are they? Billion like, dollar company. They don't need to risk for a couple of degens right at now. all. Now in the future, they want to be here, so they're building now. They don't want to so miss out. That they're ready. Look the at everyone who's hopping on the 
AI bandwagon. I think that's the yeah. best way to look at it, right? Which is like, it's funny, right? Because though it's like, I'll be at the airport and it'll be like, IBM, train your models with AI. Like, who the fuck are you advertising this to? You have nothing to do with AI. Shut the fuck up. And it's, but, but it's going to be like that with crypto, right? Mm-hmm. So no, it, no one wants to do anything. They just don't want to be the person not doing anything. Yeah. That's the best way to phrase it. Not everybody wants to burn a Banksy is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> People are just fucking weak and I don't respect it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So before we wrap yeah. up here, I want to leave our listeners with, I know you mentioned a hackathon coming up. We'll, we'll make sure we time the release of the show around that. So you are not cool, cool. leaking anything before it happens. How else can our users get involved in Zion? What would you like to ask our listeners? watch podcasts like this and just stay involved right i mean unfortunately maybe not unfortunately but i think our audience is very developer focused but i believe our message isn't and i think for the people listening out there it's awesome that you're staying educated i guess right and i would say continue staying educated continue being on everything right and and understanding the cycle as it kind of goes because it's it's kind of our job to make sure it goes otherwise who else is there right who else is holding it up love for you to join the hackathon or the the test net you know that we're going to have a couple projects where you're actually going to be able to interact and visually see what we're doing and you know i think the more time that goes on the more you're going to be able to see right and i'm sure you'll hear about us a lot more kind of in in any capacity that you're operating in but we're very excited to be back kind of really loud and exciting and Mm -hmm. We will be setting more fires too. So that'll be fun. Can't wait. Not to Can't art wait. though. Well, kind of to art. I love the tease. We'll make sure whatever you set fire to that we highlight it here on Web3 Academy. Okay. Right. A couple fun questions speed yes. round before we wrap here. What's an NFT you'll never sell? Oof. You know what? You want to laugh? I actually don't really own any NFTs anymore. Why? Because you got rugged on them all or because you sold them all? Uh, a couple of them I lost to the drainer. Which we don't want to talk about, but um, I mean, I have the Avenged Sevenfold NFTs because I just like Avenged Sevenfold. Okay, okay, um, that's a very interesting NFT, actually. That they're one great. They did real utility. I, I went to their concert, and they, in the shirts they had a fucking RFID tag, I think it is, that you would scan and it would you would get an NFT. Like they are so fucking awesome. I love really? the band as is, but yeah, they are so ahead of it on the NFT game. You get like meet and greets. You get like signed shit. It was really awesome. The main thing that really stuck to me about this NFT, because all musicians have massive fan bases. Yeah. So if you have a community and a fan base, you had an NFT. NFT is incredible technology to be able to just reach them more directly, ensure that they get better access to you, things that you really can't do in Web2. I bought my tickets to the concert through my NFT. There you go. See, that's that's amazing. I just, I love that. Super excited to see. I mean, Taylor Swift would have had a way better experience, experience in her mm-hmm. most recent tour if she had used NFTs Instead not of to buy the tickets, but to give access to her biggest fans first mm-hmm. so that you know, bots and all these scalpers weren't able to buy the tickets. Okay. Exactly. One prediction for 2024. I think you see one of the largest exploits that we've seen from an L2. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That one hurts. I could say exploit, exploit or rugged, I think, but it's going to be from an L2 and a prominent one. Like, I think people are going to know it. I think you mean an exploit, not a rug, right? I, like, I'm, I'm going to put both of those in. I could see both of those. Damn. That one makes me cringe. I hope you're wrong on that. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Like, but dude, yeah. you know what? Fuck that. I hope I'm not because we need to stop letting yeah. that be a fucking possibility. And that's if it's, it's a possibility, crazy. if that can happen, then it should happen. Like, quite frankly, like obviously there's people who get hurt and stuff like that. But I'm more no, no, put aside if it shouldn't be a possibility, then it should. It's happen. the only way you learn, right? Yeah, like, I mean, you got it. You got to talk to someone who's been in this industry. I've been in rugged. I mean, fucking carpet store over here. <laughs> okay, last question. If you had a billboard that yeah. one billion people were going to see, what would you write on it? Cool guy. Photo me, two thumbs up. <laughs> I've actually thought about this. That's the unfortunate situation. There's like a billboard right outside the office. And every day I walk past it, I'm like, God, that would be so fucking funny. Would it be a photo of actually you or would yeah, it be a photo of your Nothing birthday? with the company, your... just two thumbs up. Cool guy. Cool guy. No other information. Just a cool guy. QR code? <laughs> nope. No call to action. It's just a cool guy. You are an artist in another life. <laughs> you don't get many engineers and technical nerds like yourself. You're also very artsy and very creative. It's where this shit started too, right? Like, I mean, it's also, I feel like it's why I, I levitate towards the consumer application, especially like the music side. I'm wearing a Rage Against the Machine like t-shirt right now from, from the concert that I was at last year with them. It's something that I love, right? And being able to, I think crypto is like this perfect combination of art and science. That's yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. Anthony Burnt Banksy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Excited to watch Zion in 2024. I think there's going to be some exciting things coming out of you guys. I hope all of our listeners check it out. We'll make sure we link to your recent white paper in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Have Thank a great you. day. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.